0: Hello, and welcome to Adventurous Polyamory, the podcast where we rip the shrink wrap off of non-monogamy and get into the messy reality of our lifestyle. I'm Rachel Barth, your hostess with The Mostest, and I'm here to open up a big old can of truth and honesty about the joys and pitfalls of polyamory. Today, we are looking at a topic which is unique to modern polyamory, the veto. My question today is, can there be an ethical, Non tyrannical way to use the veto. The veto, just to make sure we're all on the same page, is a common feature of hierarchical polyamory. The person who has veto power can use the veto to cause their partner to sever ties with another partner, usually a newcomer. It is generally viewed as either an important protection for the original relationship or As an invasive, borderline violent form of coercion, depending on your personal philosophy. Essentially, you might use the veto to remove a partner or a potential partner from the pool, perhaps because you feel upset or scared about how they might behave. For instance, I feel pretty sure that if we had had the veto, my husband would have vetoed Big E. And for what it's worth, he might have been right to do so. I was crazy about Big E, but the operative term there is crazy. There were many aspects of his behavior that were indeed problematic. The memory of my own idiotic behavior back then is part of why I continue to give thought to the veto and whether it can have a good place in our lives. I know very well that it's not necessarily a bad thing to let your closest loved ones have your back. Still, there's no denying that typically use of the veto causes a lot of pain all around. It's like one of those big fat speed bumps in the road in a suburb. If you hit it too fast, it could potentially mess up your undercarriage. Even if you go nice and slow, it'll still be uncomfortable. However, those speed bumps can make a residential neighborhood safer. So are they bad? Are they just aggravating? Can they be improved upon? That is why we are here today. Well, let's cut it into smaller pieces. Can there be an ethical and non-tyrannical way to use the veto? If you go way back to episode five of this season, you can check out my deeper dive into the topic of the ethics of ethical non-monogamy. But for the purposes of this discussion, ethics is just an internally consistent set of rules or guidelines. So for instance, you could have two guidelines, don't steal and don't lie. This is pretty good. And if you make it through life having followed these, you are doing pretty well. But let's say we add another guideline, protect your women folk. Again, you can follow this guideline your whole life Rigorously, and that would make you ethical by your personal standards and many outside observers, too. And yet, at this point, we are actually drifting into problematic territory. Because protect is a very broad term. Are you waiting for a threat to arise and then defending against it? Did your womenfolk consent to this protection? Are you proactively seeking out ways to protect them from harm? Or, as we could put it differently, are you interfering in their lives? At this point, you're ethical, but in serious danger of turning into a sexist. What if someone who you consider very dangerous appears? Perhaps someone whose gender identity or race are threatening to you. Is it ethical to do violence to that person because you are protecting your womenfolk? Your ethics won't necessarily keep you on the side of goodness, although you might imagine that they do. A nice pop-cultural example of this is the TV series Dexter, based on the excellent book series of the same name. Dexter is a serial killer, and he works as a forensic crime scene analyst for the Miami PD. His serial killer, victim of choice, is other serial killers, or Any person who somehow escaped justice, despite being obviously guilty. So he has a clear system of ethics. He only kills the guilty. Now, is this good? Or is it bad? Is it wrong to kill other killers? It's a murky discussion for sure. This is what I mean when I say that ethics can be fully consistent without necessarily being positive or benign. So that's the short-form version of why ethics is not necessarily what we would broadly call good, kind, or compassionate. Okay, so now let's look at the veto. Some people are strong proponents of the veto, feeling that it is an essential protection against the sort of numbskull stuff that people sometimes do when they are caught up in NRE. I can well imagine that my partners wanted to veto at least a couple of the guys that I thought were pretty great. And I've definitely had a moment or two where I've wished that I could call 1-800-GET-JUNK and have the dudes with the truck haul some stuff away. The main issue, philosophically speaking, is simply that the veto wielder is proceeding on the assumption that they themselves know what's best. I can't speak for anyone else, but in my case, that is a pretty big stretch. I really don't know what's best. I know that I like some people and don't like others. But beyond that, you know, I'm not psychic, so there's no guarantee at all that I know what's best. Plus, you can take it even farther. Maybe what's best is for my partner to date the wrong person, deal with the consequences of that, and in this manner, achieve some personal growth. If I swing my axe and rescue him from his allegedly bad-for-him new partner, am I helping him? Or am I getting in the way of his path to greater wisdom? Again, I really don't know. The amount of stuff I don't know is really quite vast. So that is why I would hesitate to ever use the veto, even if I actually had that level of power. I just do not believe I know what's best. Still, having said all that, I can think of some times when it really would have been good for everyone. Actually, I can think of some times when it might have been best if someone had vetoed my partners. Or even at least once, maybe someone should have vetoed me personally right out of there. Not only did I not know what was best, in fact, I was the problem in that picture. So, and that's my two cents about the veto. It doesn't have to be the terrible thing that some people make it out to be, but the devil is in the execution. We originally asked if there could be an ethical, non-tyrannical way to use the veto. But I see now that this is actually two questions. One, is there an ethical way to use the veto? And two, is there a non-tyrannical way to use the veto? Question one Sounds like a yes in my book. It's possible to lay out a consistent set of guidelines around the veto and only apply the veto based on those guidelines. Still, the next question would clearly be, if you got the guidelines, why do you need the veto? Why don't you just have the guidelines? Like I could look at the guidelines and know for myself that Esteban has to go. But maybe it's too much to expect me to have that much good judgment, especially when my hormones are doing all the talking in the room. So maybe something like, in the event of a new person turning out to have a record of violent crime, substance abuse, and such like, we will have a family meeting to discuss it. And if we can reach agreement, then Esteban will understand that it is time to say goodbye to Svetlana. Well, that sounds nice on paper, but it's clearly awfully utopian. Almost none of the actual real humans I know personally would follow this procedure in a smooth manner. Nobody is that detached and logical. In this situation, lots of intense emotions like fear, anxiety, jealousy, and anger will be involved. And that is not a good recipe for clear-headed and thoughtful discussions and solutions. So that's probably not a workable system. What's more, it would be really hard to codify guard lines around vague stuff like this new person is creating a negative vibe in our lives or I'm afraid that this new person is giving you a bunch of bad ideas that I don't like or this new person kind of reminds me of someone I used to know who was a real shitbag. Like, that's not... A guideline you can't make a guideline out of that so I don't I don't know if that's really workable I've had a couple examples of this come up in my life my partners have come up with potential new partners with mild to serious alcohol issues at least twice in both cases I strongly wished the new person would vanish from our lives however it was clear that I wasn't going to get my wish I did my best to bring the topic up for discussion in both cases, and I was shot down. My partners went their own way on the issue, and even though ultimately the new people turned out to be highly problematic and the relationships there did not succeed, nobody came back to tell me, oh, Rachel, you were right about this person. If I had had the veto, I surely would have used it in at least one of those cases. And I know for certain that it would have resulted in tremendous stress and pain for me personally, since my partner would have been absolutely furious with me over it. Because it's extremely difficult to properly quantify what is bad enough to veto. A drink at every meal? No, uh, a lot of folks do that. Three drinks at every meal? I mean, my own grandparents did that. My grandfather lived to be 97. A bottle at every meal? Well, I mean, that's kind of a lot. But again, I've seen plenty of people do that and still be more or less fine. Two bottles of wine at a meal? Okay, that's a lot, right? I mean, you'd think so. But one of the people I would have loved to have vetoed used to drink three whole bottles of wine before they even got around to eating a meal, and I'm not kidding, they barely even showed the effects of the alcohol. Their tolerance was staggering. I thought they had a problem, but my partner did not feel that this person had a problem with alcohol at all. And when that relationship finally did flame out, it actually had nothing to do with the alcohol and more to do with their inability to come out of the closet with their parents. So, was I right or wrong? I really can't say for sure. All I really know is that my partner was very angry at me for even bringing it up and categorically refused to do anything about that whole three bottles of wine situation. I lost a lot of relationship capital, and I gained nothing. I'd have done better to have kept my opinion to myself, and that is what I believe today. So I think we'll have to say... That is it's very, very difficult to lay out a consistent set of guidelines that actually cover the very broad field of stuff that a veto would cover, because it is essentially subjective and not fully quantifiable. And in fact, the wielder of the veto would prefer that it remains subjective rather than be cordoned off with rules or guidelines in the area i say that the wielder would prefer it to remain subjective because the wielder of the veto will always want to apply the veto according to what they believe is going to happen and that's completely their own opinion and completely subjective so is there an ethical way to use the veto if we stick with my definition of ethics it looks like the answer is yes only no one would actually want it that way because In fact, we would prefer it to be subjective, non-quantifiable, and possibly even not consistent. We have encountered the limitations of focusing on ethics alone in polyamory before, and I must say that this is just another one in that department. Well, so much for ethics. On to our original question two. Is there a non-tyrannical way to use the veto? Woof! My initial instinct is to say no. But let's look into it. What do we mean by tyrannical? I think that Lin-Manuel Miranda got it right in Hamilton, where he has King George sing, I will kill your friends and family to remind you of my love. Honestly, I mean, what a great lyric. Even Weird Al never did any better. And that is the essence of it. I love you so much that I will hurt anyone who threatens my love, and that includes you. A tyrant knows that what they want is the most important thing, and no one else's opinions or ideas matter much at all. They are holding all the power, and also, typically, none of the responsibility, which they will fling onto others. By contrast, a leader may hold all the power, but they will also... Shoulder all the responsibility. That is generally the dividing line between a leader and a tyrant. A great leader never forgets that they serve their people. A tyrant only sees that people are supposed to serve them. So what does that look like in polyamory? If I am using my veto in a tyrannical manner, then I'm basically exercising my power without regard for the effect I may have on others. I'm completely prioritizing only my own feelings, needs, and opinions. Normally, in order to lead well, a person must listen to their team members and properly respect the wisdom and expertise found there. A good leader uplifts and supports the team, clearing away obstacles so that the whole team can succeed. They have to make the hard calls sometimes, but their team trusts them to do this, because they have always showed how much they value all their team members. They have a lot of relationship capital built up. All this is Basic Management Techniques 101. For the absolute most testosterone-drenched version of this, I do recommend the works of former Navy SEAL Commander Jocko Willink. I especially recommend listening to him on YouTube. If you ever doubted that gender is performative, you will see the light as you absorb his nigh-parody-level performance of masculinity. I adore him. And I have indeed found some value in his principles. So, in general, your polycule will not resemble the SEAL team that Jocko talks about. But the principles still apply. The only way you could apply the veto in a non-tyrannical manner would be via these principles of good leadership. And we see the same problem again. The devil is in the execution. Only a good, wise, trusted leader could potentially use the veto non-tyrannically. Are you a good, wise, trusted leader? Do you truly accept a leadership role in your polycule? You can't be a leader who only leads when it's time to nerf someone else's love life. Leadership is an everyday thing. Are you getting up every day and putting the needs and goals of the team at the front of your mind? Or are you putting your own needs first? That's a thorny issue. If you put everyone else's needs ahead of your own, eventually your needs will go completely unmet. So you have to keep an eye on your own needs continually. But if you always put yourself first, that's not right either. Plus, at some level, your own needs and goals should align fairly well with the needs and goals of the rest of the polycule, right? Like if most of the polycule want to live together, and then you also want that. Or maybe the youngest member of the polycule is struggling to complete some professional training, and the rest of you all put effort into supporting them because you all want to see each other succeed. Or, in my own polycule, we're all getting a bit older, and Isaiah is by far the youngest. Collectively, we are all thinking ahead to organizing the situation for best practices in aging in place. Isaiah doesn't need to worry about all that just yet, but he will support the rest of us as we work toward this. This is fairly selfless on his part, since he will still be in the prime of life when I am 85. I better stick to my self-care. I don't plan to be too decrepit. Back to the veto. We are right in the sticky spot here. I think in the end, the best analog for it is how arranged marriages work. The parents are taking a lot of control, and they are thinking about how to maximize success for their child and the whole family as well. But are they also thinking about maximizing their child's happiness? i've actually known a number of people who were married by parental arrangement and it can work just about as well as any other system for getting married one of my college roommates her parents were married that way they never even met before the wedding the groom her future father went to knock on his in-laws door the night before the wedding the father of the bride answered the door and said what do you want The groom said, I just want to see her, please. It won't change anything, but may I please see her? The father said, nope, see you tomorrow, and shut the door right in his face. By the time I met this family, they had three children and seemed as happy as any other family. Although, if memory serves, I caught head lice from the youngest child during that visit. Ah, good times. So... If you want to exercise the veto, you must be like a loving parent who's trying to maximize the future happiness and success of their child. Is that really possible for us? Is it truly possible to use the veto in a selfless manner, focusing only on the needs of the other person? Historically, parents have used the arranged marriage in a variety of ways, not all of which were about the happiness of the child this is why most of us in the west no longer practice arranged marriage we would prefer to screw up our lives under our own steam and my love for my partners is not like a parent's love it's not a selfless emotion i can't really forget about myself here my own fears and desires will always occupy at least a corner of the picture it's also true that as a parent it's literally my responsibility to help solve my child's problems and clear away obstacles. But as a parent, is it actually my responsibility? But as a partner, is it actually my responsibility? If I enact the role of the parent, am I essentially reducing my partner to a child? How can that be done in a manner that's truly for their good? I can't really see that working out. If we go further down that road, there's the fear of damaging the original relationship. I could have saved my husband a lot of pain and sadness if I'd had the veto. But would he have appreciated or understood my motives? Would he have been able to withstand the discomfort of having the veto used against his partners? Realistically, I have to bet it wouldn't have been that positive. It would have been more likely that he'd have been mad at me forever for doing that. And he's not the only one. I mean, Kathy doesn't even let me tell her how to organize her kitchen. She would definitely not tolerate me forcibly evicting her partner. I would be lucky to survive such an event. See how difficult it is. Not only do you have to be selfless and wise, but now you have to also be compassionate and have a huge reservoir of trust built up with your partner's. And I doubt anyone I know has enough relationship capital built up to survive using the veto more than once. Last bit of thought. Let's revisit that group or committee idea. What if it was a group veto? Like collectively, all the members of the polycule could vote to remove a member or a potential member... So Kathy and Isaiah and the Amazon and I could all vote together to get rid of John's newest fling because she's an uncontrollable drunk with anger issues. Uh, That sounds a little better. I mean, the blame can be spread around more. But on the other hand, it magnifies the difficulty of doing it right since now you all have to be selfless, wise, compassionate, and trust each other fully. Again, not technically impossible, but still seems like a bit of a reach. Not to mention that once committees get in the picture, anyone could wind up like Steve Jobs, ousted from the company he founded. This idea is, I don't know, it's just scary, really. So where does this leave us? Is it possible to exercise the veto in a way that is ethical or non-tyrannical or both? I am not feeling a lot of confidence about it. It's definitely possible to use the veto ethically. Whether your relationships would survive it is a whole other matter. Ethics by nature are often not that compassionate. If you slice into your partner's romantic lives without compassion, well, that pain will come home to roost on you eventually. It's also theoretically possible to use the veto non-tyrannically, but incredibly unlikely. As in, I personally will continue to avoid the veto for the same reason I also don't try to solo climb half dome. The most likely outcome is a swift and awful end. So that is what I have to say about that. Thank you for listening. Have you had your own experiences with the veto? How was that for you? I want to hear from you. Please get in touch with me at unlimitedheartcoaching at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram at Unlimited UnlimitedHeartFreedom. Drop me a DM. I will answer. As always, I am available for coaching sessions. And if you feel you could use some help, please get in touch with me for a free exploratory session. Coaching is perfect for any kind of problem solving in your life. And as we know, polyamory is full of interesting problems that need solving. So as I say, get in touch for a free exploratory session. I appreciate you all so very much. And I'll see you back here in a couple of weeks.